0: Again, uh, my name is Mitchell, if I haven't met you yet. I am the lead pastor here at Antioch, and glad you guys are here. Saw several new faces walking in this morning, so thanks for choosing this Sunday uh, to come and worship with us. And like Maggie and Larry were saying, especially if you're brand new, um, today's a great day to be brand new. We're doing like an extended version of who are we, and you know, what's our history, where we come from, what are our vision and values, what do we care a lot about here? And so stop by that intro to Antioch if you want to, um, and you get free lunch on your first Sunday. Look at that. Uh, So come up, it's, it's, you go out those doors with little stairs and it goes up to our little prayer room up there. So you're welcome to join us. Okay guys, well we have um, been in a series titled By My Spirit Says the Lord, a little six week series on the Holy Spirit. Everybody say Holy Spirit. Anybody love the Holy Spirit? (laughs) Yes, me too. And uh, so does Jesus. He loves the Spirit of God. It's His Spirit. And uh, the whole premise of this series, kind of taken from that little little one-liner for the series titled, By My Spirit, is taken from Zechariah 4, 6. And right before that, it says, not by power nor by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And kind of the main overarching point of this whole series is just us recognizing our need for the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need him so desperately. And I I love that we were singing that this morning. We need him desperately, the spirit of God in our life, especially if this is a big if, but I'm assuming that this is applicable to most of you in this room. If you want to be a true follower of Jesus, if you want to be his disciple, if you want to live for him, you will not be able to successfully do that for a long period of time without the power of the spirit of God. It is not by your power. It's not by your might, your grit, your whatever that's going to allow you to effectively be a disciple of Jesus. It's only going to be by the power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, so as believers, as followers of Jesus, we need to become familiar with who is the Holy Spirit. How do I engage with him in my life? Um, what, What does the Bible say about him, the Spirit of God, and what's his role in my life? And so that's what we've been doing in the last couple weeks. I think we are on week three now. Yeah, Week one, a couple of weeks ago, was just kind of an overview of who is he and what does he do. So we looked at John 14, 15, 16, 17. And then um, we, last week, Easter Sunday. You guys remember Easter Sunday? A lot of you guys were out of town, but hopefully you worshiped somewhere else celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. Is he still alive? He's still alive, and he's moving, and I'm so thankful for the victory of Jesus. So we talked about, um, uh, there's this one verse in Romans 8 that says, uh, If the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then that spirit will also give life to your body. And so we talked about the power of the resurrection or the power of the Holy Spirit last week, specifically the power of the Holy Spirit, though he can do a lot, he can heal, he can perform miracles, he can drive out demons, he can do all this stuff, but we specifically talked about the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome sin in our life. And I reminded us that in the story of the Gospels, Jesus was baptized, the Holy Spirit came on him, and before he started his ministry, healing the sick, and casting out demons, raising the dead, he was tempted by the devil for 40 days, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, he overcame And so similarly, we need to be familiar with not just the power of God's spirit to do crazy, demonstrative things, though we will be talking about that today and the next few few weeks, but we need to receive his power to overcome sin and temptation. Because when you're faced with temptation right in your face, late one night when you're tired and exhausted and you feel the flesh rising up, you're going to need another power greater than your own to overcome. And it's the power of God's spirit, and it's his delight to give us the power of his spirit. We need him desperately. Amen? And this morning, we're going to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and go into that, look at an in-depth biblical study of what does that even mean? What does the Bible mean when it has that phrase in there? So we'll talk about that. But let me give you one more reminder as kind of like my main goal. There's a lot of goals, a lot of ideas, a lot of hopes I have for this series. But here's the main thing. If we're going to do a series on the Holy Spirit, then for sure by the end of it, we should see more of the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our life. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is the evidence of, the Spirit of God is at work in you. Anybody know the fruit of the Spirit listed in Galatians 5? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. There you go, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You know, this is, I, I'm really committed to, to this, uh, especially through this series for our church, but I'm committed to this personally in my life. And you want to know what a really humbling activity is, especially if you're a parent? Ask your children which of the fruit of the spirit do I need to grow in? <laughs> it's a humbling activity. If you don't have children, uh, ask your roommates. I did this a couple of weeks ago, and I was with uh, was just me and Micah, my eight-year-old, in the car. And I don't know exactly where the conversation started, but it got to the point where I asked that question. And... Uh, I think I first said something like, what do you see in, in daddy? Do you see any of those things? Yeah, you're loving. And I said something like, is there anything I need to grow in? He's like, yeah, 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 yeah. You, you need to grow in gentleness and self-control because you get mad often. So you know what I did? I yelled at him. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I just got quiet, and I was like, oh, man. I said, thanks, buddy, for telling me that. Daddy does want to grow in that. I'm so sorry, buddy. And it was great. It was a great moment. <laughs> but then, and then like two days later, I was in the car with him again. This time, older brother was in the car. And I said a similar question. Micah, do you remember what, what you told me? And then he told me two different fruit of the spirit that I need to grow in. <laughs> so that was great. But then older brother comes in, and he says, you know, we all struggle with all of them. So, and I was like, that's my boy. That's <laughs> him. I've been discipling him a little bit longer. He's just got more maturity. He's two years older. Like, yeah, that's right. We all need to grow in all of them all the time, right? Yes, amen. All right. Maybe me feel a little better. But anyways, it's a funny interaction I have with my boys, but I just, I do want to bring us back to that. And this is, this is. And very important. If you want to be a follower of Jesus, you want to see the fruit of the Spirit of God in your life, and and it's so good to have those humbling checks. And so, don't be afraid to ask the question, and and to please don't choose offense when when someone tells you honestly what they're seeing in your life, and then and then from there, the response is humbling yourself before the Lord. This is not a all right. I'm going to work really hard to be gentle. I'm going to work really hard to not get angry anymore. I'm going to work really hard, whatever. It is a yielding to the Lord and say, oh, Spirit of God, flow through me more. In gentleness, or self-control, patience, and all those things. All right? so that making sense? So we really would love for us to take that seriously um, as we're thinking a lot about the Holy Spirit. All right? Um, but here we go. Let's talk about the um, baptism of the Holy Spirit. You guys ready? All right. So there are there can be so many different questions that come up with this, uh, specifically that phrase, baptism of the Holy Spirit. But we're going to see very clearly it's a phrase that's in the Word of God. And um, it really depends on your background. You know, if you come from a real Pentecostal background, you're probably thinking, come on, why aren't we speaking in tongues all the time every Sunday from the microphone? Okay? If you come from, which is not most of you based on that response, it's a couple guys over here. Anyways, (laughs) which I know, their background. So anyways, (laughs) but if you come from a little more conservative background, you might get a little hesitant Um, When you hear that phrase or start thinking about or talking about the gifts of the Spirit, you're not too sure because, you know, you've heard some interesting things about those crazy charismatics down the road, you know, but honestly, most of us, most of us are not very biblically informed when it comes to the Spirit of God and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And there's a story that I want to show you in Acts 19. It'll be on the screen. We're going to spend a lot of time in Acts this morning. But there's a story that this group of believers in Acts chapter 19 that I think really uh, speaks to a very similar feeling that many of us have when we start talking about the Holy Spirit. And um, it's in Acts chapter 19, verse, uh, first couple verses. And um, let me give you a quick summary of what's going on. Right before that, at the end of 18, there's this guy named Apollos that was preaching Uh, To this group of people and they received his message and it describes Apollos as a guy that preached really accurately about the things of Jesus But he only knew the baptism of John which we're going to read in a second is a baptism of repentance So he didn't have the full picture And it seems like based on how the story continues to progress that this guy wasn't familiar with the baptism of the Holy Spirit and so Apollos um, has a conversation with a couple other uh, leaders, I'd say, in the body of Christ. Uh, uh, their names are Priscilla and Aquila. And they teach him a little bit more. And he's like, wow, thanks. That was so, help- so helpful. And then I don't know how much time passes, but a little bit of time passes. And we're going to pick up the story in Acts chapter 19. And then Paul's going to come on the scene. It says this Acts 19, 1 and 2. It says, Then it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples. And check this out. It says this. He said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And look at what they said. No, we did not grow up in a charismatic church. (laughs) So that's not what it says. That's maybe my translation. No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Let me pause there for a second, you're going to see what what happens. But I just want to pause there because I think many of us are there. We're like, yeah, um... I'm just not quite sure about what does the Bible say, or I don't know many things, or I don't, haven't had that many experiences with the Holy Spirit, so I'm not even quite sure who is he, what does he do, and all that stuff, so it reminds me of the beginning of my journey with this, I got saved at 17, and I got saved at a church that would talk a lot about the Holy Spirit, but I was very unaware of the things of God's Spirit, I just knew that I was in sin, and I needed to give my life over to Jesus, and thankfully I did, And then as the weeks progressed and started hearing a few things and it was just one Sunday and some of you might feel like this is the Sunday, but anyways, it was one Sunday. I invited my brother who wasn't really walking with the Lord and the pastor talks something about the Holy Spirit and then he does something in tongues. And my brother looked at me and I, and I kind of looked at him and he was like, what was that? And I honestly didn't know. I said, maybe he sneezed. (laughs) Literally, that's what I was thinking. And there was just some, some confusion, some lack of understanding, and maybe a little lack of helpful teaching, um, but that's kind of where I was. I was kind of like frozen. I don't really know, but then I continued to progress, learned a few things, but still along the way, it wasn't just like this easy, peaceful journey. It was kind of bumpy, like, well, I'm I'm like reading a couple of things in the Bible. I see this, but then I have these experiences. I'm a little bit confused. Someone says this. Someone says that. So, I just want you to know that if you feel like you're in that place, you're not alone, but there is is more. There is clarity. There is scriptural truth that we can dive into, and there are experiences that people have that are trustworthy that we can glean from and learn from. Let's finish off the rest of this story. Verse 3 says this. That um, then Paul said, when what, Then what you baptized is said into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 men in all. Just kind of put yourself in that situation, just a group of just a few, it's 12 folks, hungry for God, unaware of the things of the Spirit. And Paul says, "Hey, there's more. There's more. I invite you into it. Praise over them, and they experience the power of the Holy Spirit. You see a couple of gifts, tongues and prophecy. Which, just so you know, we're going to break those two gifts in particular down because you see them repeated multiple times throughout the Book of Acts. We're going to I'm going to teach on those the next couple of weeks. So if you have questions about those two things, then stay tuned next week and the week after. Talking about tongues and prophecy. But you, anyways, the root the point is they had this powerful experience with god because there's a there's a sense of openness and hunger in their hearts and so that's my encouragement to you guys this morning is not just that you would gain more intellectual information about the things i'm preaching but your hunger would be stirred for the things of god your hunger would be stirred for the more of the holy spirit that he has for you and i feel like i feel convicted to not hold back on this topic I have felt, um, and it is my own fear, I have felt hesitation because I know some of you were taught something different than what I'm about to teach. And I just feel like I can't hold back because the power of God's spirit, you need it. And for whatever reason, there's confusion and just false teaching about this topic. But I cannot serve you good enough if I don't tell you there is more of the Holy Spirit for you. And you need his power. You need to be totally immersed and drenched in his power if you want any chance to be a bold and effective witness. Because, guys, this generation will not be won by wise and persuasive arguments and words. They are looking for something from heaven, something different that this world cannot offer. They're looking for a demonstration of God's power and his spirit. And that spirit lives in you and wants to come out of you to show the world that there is a greater kingdom than the kingdoms of this world. And we need him. And and if we are humble enough to search the scriptures, but also humble enough to take it from there and from here and to say, God, touch me. If this is real, where your power showed up in a room of 12 guys and they just something obvious happened to them. If that's still real today, do it in me, God. Fill me with your power, baptize me in your spirit, come and fill me afresh. I've got so many questions about this, but Lord, if it's real, I want the real thing. And That's what I want stirring inside of you as I'm talking about this, not to try to prove an argument that will match the latest podcast you heard, but oh my goodness, I don't care, I don't care about winning arguments, I want you to be touched by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that really, when you are touched, it kind of just, the the, the arguments don't matter as much. (laughs) Because you're like, well, God touched me, (laughs) and I didn't fake that, so something's real. And then the more you experience him, the more you read his word, the more you're seeing, like, wow, you don't have to be concerned about being a weird, charismatic Christian. Have you ever read the Bible? (laughs) These guys were weird. Did you see what I just read? Like, they're in this room, and then somebody puts a hand on them, and then they start going off in tongues and prophesying, speaking things. That's a real encounter that people had. And so if you're (laughs) concerned about being weird, at least it will look, you know, if something like that happens, it'll at least be biblical. You know what's not biblical? Stiff, emotionless, passionless Christianity. That's not biblical. Where I'm not moved in my heart by God. That's not biblical. You see people moved to tears on their knees, encountering God's presence, boldly proclaiming the gospel. That is biblical Christianity. They're walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. They're delivered from bondage to sin. Gifts of the Spirit of God are imparted to people. This is normal Christianity. So please don't be afraid of anything you see in here. And please don't believe a lie that it's just, you know, for them in the past. No, he is at work today. And in fact, the the scriptures point to and prophesy as the days get closer and closer to the Lord's return, which we are closer now than ever. Of course, you know, I could say that's a prophetic word. It's just obvious he hasn't come yet. (laughs) Okay, it's obvious. But he says, he promises there will be a greater outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the last days. And we need to be unafraid of his spirit and his presence and his work in our life. Amen? Amen. All right, let me just pray. Lord, I pray this morning you would fall on us. Holy Spirit of God, fall afresh on every one of us. We all need a fresh touch of your spirit, so Lord, would you do it? And I pray across this entire room, would you stir people's hearts? God, would you stir inside of people this hunger and anticipation to be touched by the living God? You are real. You are alive. Any of us in this room that wonder if this is fake, God, I pray you convince us the other way. Spirit of God, come and touch us in a tangible, memorable way for your glory and for our good and for the sake of this generation that needs something more than what we could offer in our own strength. So come, Holy Spirit, touch us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. I'm excited for what God's going to do this morning. Well, hey, why don't you uh, look at the screen just for a second. I've been doing this each week, but there's a QR code that has um, some resources on it. I added some resources to this, so you may want to take a fresh picture of this on your phone. Um, There might also be, yeah, if you just want to jot down that little um, link as well. If you don't take a picture, that's fine. But um, this has a resource page that we created about who the Holy Spirit is and what does he do, but also linked on there is a book by Francis Chan called Forgotten God. That's really helpful, and then also multiple um, podcasts about the, specifically this topic today, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I uh, just want to really encourage you to dive deep into this, especially if you have a few questions, because there are some answers, there's some mystery to this topic, but there are some answers in a lot of biblical truth that can really help you and strengthen um, kind of what you see here about this topic, all right? So first things, first, let me give you a little bit of an overview um, And the first question I want to answer is, where is the baptism of the Holy Spirit found in Scripture? Okay, this phrase, baptism of the Holy Spirit, is mentioned in all four Gospels and twice in the book of Acts. Here's a... a little uh, slide that shows you where those exact verses are. Again, you can take a picture of that if you want to. Oftentimes, I'll put little slides up here if you guys take a picture of because I want you to have easy takeaways to go study this after I preach it. Okay, So there's the four examples right there in the Gospels, and then there's two in the book of Acts. I want you to leave that up there just for a second. This is actually a very important point that this phrase, baptism in the Holy Spirit, is mentioned all four times in the Gospels. Let me just talk about the Gospels for a second. Because when something is mentioned one time in the Gospels, it's very important. But there are, did you know, there are less than 15 things mentioned in all four of the Gospels. Things like Jesus' death on the cross, His resurrection, His return. Big, big, huge doctrinal things. Well, also in that small list is this phrase, baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to look at um, a recap in Acts chapter 1, uh, just one of those verses, Acts chapter 1, 4 through 8. Again, if you have your Bible, you can just follow along with me. I'll be jumping around to different parts in Acts. But this is a recap of what um, it seems like Jesus said in the end of Luke. And remember, uh, some of you don't know this, but uh, Luke also wrote the book of Acts. And so he's just repeating to this audience, hey, remember, this is what went on here. But in Acts chapter 1, verse 4 through 8, says this. And while they were with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. And in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's Acts 1, 4 through 8. It's really clear descriptive words he's talking to his disciples about that. Hey, I want you. You you believe in me. You're following me. You believe that I'm the Messiah. But I want you to wait because I promised that I would baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So wait. And thankfully, he came. We'll look at the kind of progression of this in a minute. But let me just kind of define this word baptism for a second, okay? So there's a slide up here as well, but this, the Greek word for uh, baptism that's used in all four accounts in the Gospels and a couple here in Acts is the Greek word baptizo. Everybody say baptizo. Baptizo. So I give you a definition up there. It means to dip repeatedly, to immerse, submerge, cleanse by dipping or submerging, to wash, and to make clean with water or to overwhelm. So when you see that phrase, you can think these types of descriptive words. It is a complete immersion in the Spirit of God. As I was looking at my little um, resource I used for looking up Greek stuff, I found this um, explanation that was helpful, I guess, for some of the um, early scholars and reading through some of the Greek. But let me just read this little passage to you. It says this word baptizo should not be confused with another Greek word that's similar, bapto, the clearest example that shows the meaning of baptizo is a text from the Greek poet and physician Nicander, who lived about 200 B.C. It is a recipe for making pickles. Isn't that interesting? You made pickles lately? <laughs> My daughter yesterday at a birthday party grabbed uh, a uh, cucumber slice, took a bite of it, and she said, this doesn't taste like pickles. <laughs> anyways, I was like, <laughs> you're right. There's a process that happens. Uh, anyways, and then it says it's helpful because it uses both words. Now, candor says that in order to make a pickle, the vegetable should be first dipped or bapto into boiling water and then baptized or baptizo into the vinegar solution. Both verbs concern the immersing of vegetables in a solution. But the first is temporary. The second, the act of baptizing the vegetable produces a permanent change. <laughs> <laughs> Told you that's the Pentecostal background. <laughs> Those guys. I don't know if you're aiming in the pickle thing or what, but anyways, I'm not talking about pickles. So we talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want you to imagine, you know, just like, okay, there's a complete immersion here. And I love that last little, you know, little phrase. It leads to a lasting change. And I want you to connect the dots. I'm going to help a little bit of you guys that I know that you know, maybe are confused, when does this happen? But I think, think about water baptism. In a couple weeks, we're going to do water baptism. That experience is a experience that marks you forever. You can forever look back at your experience in the day that you publicly proclaimed, I am dead to my old way of living, and I am raised to newness of life, okay? And that should mark you forever. It's this a powerful display of the gospel, and many times I've heard so many testimonies about that day being really impactful for people. Similarly, the baptism of the Holy Spirit it's something that God, the Holy Spirit immerses you, comes upon you in a noticeable, tangible way, and you are marked differently forever from that time forward. And so when we think about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, think about it that way. It's something that permanently changes me. In a moment, in an experience, an encounter with God that changes me forever. Now let me address a couple common questions about this topic because there might be stern already, and I, I'm going to use the word address, not necessarily answer, because there's, just, there's some nuances to this, and it's great to have conversations and dialogue about some of this stuff, though it can also tend to lead us away from the main point, which is God wants us to be clothed with power from on high. All right, But just for those of you that come from more of a conservative background, especially on this topic, you might have questions about salvation. And it, it, Wasn't I baptized in the Holy Spirit at salvation? Let me clarify a couple things. For sure, the Spirit of God, is involved in your salvation experience. You cannot be saved apart from the work of the Holy Spirit, who a couple weeks ago, you can reference that sermon, talk about He's the one that draws us to the Father. He's the one that convicts us of sin. You cannot be saved apart from the Spirit of God, all right? But there is more as you look at Scripture. Let's talk about baptism in water for a second. Doesn't that mean, isn't that the same thing? As soon as I'm baptized in water, that's also when I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit. Well, Definitely, it can happen that way, and definitely those two are connected, but we're about to look at a couple other passages where it s- seems clear that, okay, there's, there's something going on here that maybe that's not the obvious equation or equivalent. There is more. And again, for those of you that come up from a more Pentecostal background, you might have been taught, like, hey, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is only referring to a one-time experience where you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, and it's evidenced by speaking in tongues. And I may also comment on that, like, well, that's, that might be a little too far. You might be adding a little bit. It's good to note that tongues and prophecy are often mentioned when people have experiences with the Holy Spirit, but you don't want to go too far into thinking this is the only way it has to happen one time in your life, and it has to be evidenced by speaking in tongues. Clarified that before, that the main evidence of the work of the Spirit of God in your life is what? The fruit of the Holy Spirit. So we are, again, we're going to look at some passages that help clarify this a little bit um, in just a few minutes. But let me give you five really important things to note, and I'll break down these five. Hopefully, this will be really helpful for you, especially for those of you that have a lot of questions about this topic. So five important things to note when we start talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. One is don't—all five of these things will be on the screen. One, don't get caught up in the exact verbiage of this phrase. I'm specifically using the phrase baptism of the Holy Spirit most consistently because that's what I see most consistently in Scripture. But I don't want you to get caught up in, well, you gotta say it exactly this way. Oftentimes people say, well, it's not baptism in the Holy Spirit, it's baptism with the Holy Spirit or of the Holy Spirit. It's like, I think we're missing the point if we're gonna have arguments about that. And here's the main thing that I that always helps me um, is in Acts chapter two, it is clear that these kind of prophetic words about, hey, disciples, you're about to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's very clear that the the fruition of that happens in Acts chapter 2 at the day of Pentecost. But did you guys know in two chapters of Acts, that experience at Pentecost is described with five different phrases? Let me show you, okay? There will be a screen up here. To describe what happened at Pentecost, these are the phrases that are used. In Acts 1.5, it says, hey, guys, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 1, it says, hey, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you in power. Then Acts 2, verse 4, that's the day of Pentecost. The description there by Luke is they were, it didn't say baptized, it didn't say they come upon, it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, all these are also different Greek words, just for those of you that are wondering. Okay? Then um, Peter gets up, filled with the Holy Spirit, and begins to preach to this crowd, and he's describing what just happened in verse 4, and again, he uses a different phrase. He says the Holy Spirit was poured out on us. And then lastly, he's finishing out his little sermon, and he says the, he's just recapping, hey, if you want to give your life, you need to give your life to Jesus, you repent of your sin, you need to be baptized. And then he says, you will, then you will also, just like we did, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So I want to show you that because it's, it's been helpful for me over the years when people want to argue about the exact phrasing of everything. I'm like, I'm, I'm not that interested in that conversation, but what I'm interested in is you experiencing the Spirit of God in your life, very tangibly and noticeably. So that might be helpful for some of you guys that have some of those questions. Number two, important thing to note is how did it happen for the disciples? Okay, and here's kind of what we see as you read through the Gospels and the first few chapters of Acts. It's important to know what happened to them, because they are for sure our primary example of walking with and experiencing the Holy Spirit. So how did it happen for the disciples? First, in the end of John, it says that Jesus breathed on them to receive the Holy Spirit. You can look at that in John chapter 20. And then, obviously, in Acts 2, they were baptized in the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And then in Acts 4, if you keep reading a couple chapters later, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit after a prayer meeting. Okay, And it said they were filled with the Spirit of God, and they began to speak the Word of God boldly. And then there's multiple stories throughout the rest of the book of Acts where individual people are filled with the Holy Spirit, and they begin speaking the Word of God boldly, or some sort of sign or wonder happens, or they preach the gospel, people get saved. Okay, you guys seeing that? So hopefully that's helpful as well. Now, next thing, this is funny because I'm about to totally, um, I guess I'll say, not necessarily disagree with myself, but show you a different way. Let me. I want to show you a common progression that I have seen and many others have seen for most believers in regards to their journey with the Holy Spirit and being baptized in the Holy Spirit. All I'm saying, this is a common thing. It doesn't happen this way every time. But look at number three, the common progression for most believers that I've seen is that the, one of the very first steps is someone professes their faith in Jesus, all right? They say, I want to follow him. I need to give my life to him, okay? How many of you guys have given your life to Jesus? Come on, you've said, I believe he is the Lord of my life. Come on. If you haven't done that yet, that's fine. I'm so glad you're here. Let today be the day where you realize that you need forgiveness of your sin and you receive his free gift of salvation. Then soon after that, hopefully, the Bible is really clear that a step of obedience is to be baptized with the body of believers to, to show that, hey, I am serious about my walk with God. So if you have put your faith in Jesus, praise the Lord. If you have not been water baptized, then do it. Do it soon. Do it a couple weeks from now when we have baptism here. This is a way for you to walk in step and obey the commands in Scripture to signify your death to sin and your old life and being raised in the newness of life. So water baptism is a part of it. And then, most of the time, people have an in- initial encounter with the, ba- or the baptism of the Holy Spirit sometime after that. It's different for every person. You're going to hear a couple testimonies uh, at the end of my message today of a few folks in our church and the way that they experienced God for the first, Holy Spirit for the first time. And then, what's also common is that there are multiple subsequent fillings or encounters or baptisms, whatever phrase you want to use, with the Holy Spirit, really for the rest of the, that person's life. So I want to show you that because that's a common progression. But here's point number four, the most, most intellectual theological phrase you've seen all day. You ready? The Holy Spirit doesn't like boxes. Please write that down. There is no, keep that up there for a minute. There is no formula or equation in Scripture hadn't found it we tend to always want to create this very clear and linear kind of scale and steps that God must do things in but here's the deal guys he has the authority to break through any box that he wants even the uh, common progression I just showed you I'm about to read you something in Acts chapter 10 that totally it just it's done totally differently okay so look at that Acts chapter 10 um, this is a story of a guy named Cornelius what a cool name Love that, Cornelius. And he um, is this Roman Gentile. So it's a pretty big deal that he, um, this experience here, but he's, he's a man that fears God. He didn't really know him very well. He didn't, he didn't grow up Jewish, but he's like, I fear the God that created everything, and I want to know him and honor him. Okay? He has this crazy vision and is told by God to go call for Peter. Okay? Peter also simultaneously has a vision while he was in a trance. This common, normal day for Peter, I guess. Anyways, uh, and he is invited by the Lord to go to this guy's house. Let's pick up the story in verse 30. And it's really clear this guy, Cornelius, doesn't, is not following Jesus. Because as soon as, I didn't, I'm not going to read this part, but as soon as Peter walks into his house, Cornelius falls down on his feet and starts to worship Peter. Okay, so he's, he doesn't have it all together, okay? Peter's like, what are you doing? Stop, man. Am I, just, am I at the right house? I wonder what Peter was thinking. Anyways, in verse 30, it says this, Cornelius said, he's explaining to Peter what happened. Four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayers have been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send, therefore, to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon and Tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come to me. Now, therefore... We are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have com- been commanded by the Lord. Let me read that phrase again. So here's Cornelius like just his summary. Here's, here's what I'm doing, Peter, is I have gathered you know, my friends, my family in this house and they, I love that phrase. It says we are all, all here in the presence of God to hear what you've commanded. I just love that setting because there was hunger there is anticipation in Cornelius' heart. He knew he was not just in Peter's presence, but the presence of God. And I want, as I continue to read what happens in this story, I would love for you to put yourself kind of in this house. Put yourself there and just like imagining what it would have been like to hear the gospel for the first time, and then you're going to see they have a powerful experience and encounter with the Holy Spirit. So let me keep going, verse 34. So Peter, again, put yourself there just for a second. Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that was sent to Israel preaching as for the word that he sent to Israel preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. I love that. Jesus is a deliverer. Amen. Verse 39, and we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him up on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who have been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And they pause there. That is just a great gospel presentation from Peter. And I want you to know that same gospel presentation is very true for you today. God confirmed that Jesus is the Messiah by raising him from the dead. And he has appointed the day where Jesus will judge the living and the dead. And if you put your faith and trust in him, you can be forgiven of your sin and enter into eternal life. If you do not put your faith and trust in Jesus, you're going to be held to his judgment. And if there's anybody here today, I, just, I, I felt led to re- read that because it's just a clear, clear explanation of the gospel. If you have not put your faith and trust in Jesus, there will be a day where he will judge the living and the dead. And he will look at you and he will judge you. If you're under his blood, you'll be forgiven of all your sins and you'll come into eternal life. If not, you will pay the penalty for your sin, which is death and hell forever. But Jesus, inviting you in to forgiveness, inviting you in to salvation... I just want you to hear that today. And I'm believing for at least maybe one person in this room that you've never really taken seriously, putting your faith in Jesus, do it today. Today is your day. Trust in him. He is coming back. He is faithful to this word. let's keep reading here. Verse 44, while Peter was still saying these words, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. Now let me pause. This is so awesome to me. The Holy Spirit just interrupts Peter's message. (laughs) Honestly, I long for that day. There's been a, maybe one or two times where I've been preaching a message and then it just sounds like the Holy Spirit is just moving in people. Man, I long for that day and I, w- I welcome him to do that right now. If you start feeling, some of you probably feel just fire burning in your chest and hey, just respond to him wherever you are as I'm preaching this. But it says the Holy Spirit just fell. He interrupted Peter. And it says the believers from among the circumcised who'd come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, look at this, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And then he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. I love that last line. Hey, can you hang out with us for a few more days? That was cool. You know, that was awesome. We don't know what happened, but just can you you hang out for a few more days? Thankfully, he says yes. All right, I love this story because it blows every single box of any conservative or Pentecostal that I've ever heard of. (laughs) <laughs> the Holy Spirit interrupts the message and falls we don't even know if they're saved yet but obviously there's they're responding to, yes I want to believe in Jesus they haven't been water baptized but the Spirit of God falls but wait they receive tongues what on earth is happening the Holy Spirit doesn't like boxes and he has authority to trump any box we put them in now listen it's not wrong to think through the things I've thought about for years and I'm communicating to you this morning to get some biblical understanding and a little bit more framework okay so it's good to have some some knowledge and where are these scriptures at okay but we just never want to put him in a box and you know what's so fun is most boxes are pretty square but I've heard some pretty spontaneous charismatic boxes also where you reject any form of order or any form of structure I just want you to know that's also a box. Your box just kind of looks like this. It's still a box. He can't come (laughs) this way if you do three songs and then do a teaching and then do a response. He can't be in that room. I'm like, all right, well, your box just goes like this. All right. So if we do four songs, is he there? You know, if we do five? Two and a half? (laughs) Anyways. All right. All right. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. All right. But just uh, hopefully it's it's clear. Number... um, and this is number f- number five. Very important thing to note when it comes to the things of the Holy Spirit: never let. it will be on the screen. Never let the work of the Holy Spirit cause division in the body. Never let the work of the Holy Spirit cause division in the body. I believe, though this topic is, like, used in the conversation of the Holy Spirit, about the Holy Spirit. I believe that the Holy Spirit Himself is grieved by the way. Over the decades, over the centuries, the church has divided itself over this topic or the things related to the spiritual gifts or whatever. Never in this room, guys, this church, we are not going to let the things of the Holy Spirit divide us from other parts of the body. It is a grievous thing to think because you have had an experience with the Holy Spirit or because you walk in a certain spiritual gift that you're going to elevate yourself over other believers that maybe haven't had an experience like that. What that should do, if the Spirit of God is working in us, is humble us to so say, "How did how did I get touched by God so much? My I want my friends to experience this. I want my other brothers and the Lord to experience this. And if they have questions, oh, I'll be happy to talk with them. And if they disagree at the end of the day, I'm still going to love you because that's the Spirit of God flowing through my life. We're not going to let it divide us." I love the end of kind of the the end of this story in Acts 10. It kind of goes on to Acts 11. Peter goes back to other believers, leaders in the church, um, and back to Jerusalem, and he's like, he's kind of put on the chopping block, he's like, whoa, 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 what you did, Peter, you went to a Gentile's house, what, and then Peter's like, hey, let me just explain what happened, and I want you to see this, because it's connected to this point of just not letting the work of the Holy Spirit cause division, Acts 11, verse 13 through 17, says, uh, he told us how he had seen, uh, this is Peter talking, he's recapping the story with Cornelius, he said the Cornelius told us how he had seen the angel stand in his house and say, send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and all your household. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John, baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? Isn't that great? Let's pause there for a second. So he's recapping it, uses the phrase, you know, baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that's what happened. And he said, I'm not going to stand in God's way. But the main thing I want you to see is these, these leaders, these old men, these, these guys that were leading the church in Jerusalem who initially said, hey, we got some questions, Peter. I want you to look at their response in verse 18. When they heard these things, they fell silent. And they glorified God, saying, well, then to the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. I love that it doesn't say that when they heard these things, they put their foot in the ground because they were unwilling to humble themselves, and they started a new denomination. Just so thankful that's not what happened. But there is a spirit of humility. The Spirit of God was really working. And um, it matters that we honor other parts of the body, and if you are in this room, and you think that what I'm teaching is totally bogus, then that's fine, let's have a conversation, but hey, let's just talk about loving Jesus, and exalting him, and living wholeheartedly for him, that's great, that's what I want to talk about anyways, all right, let me close up here by talking about just different ways to experience um, the Holy Spirit, and just what we see in scripture, then I'm going to have a few friends come up here, and share some testimonies, and then we'll respond, and receive some prayer, So what's important to note is before experiencing the baptism of the Holy Spirit, here's what the disciples did. There's two kind of main things that I saw that they were doing. One is they were waiting, and two, they were praying. So before the Holy Spirit came, before they experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they waited and they prayed. They waited, which means they didn't give up or quit because nothing happened initially. Okay, and for, for my story, that was definitely part of my process. I felt pretty tempted to quit because I was praying, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Lord, encounter me. I want a, I want a touch from you. And nothing happened immediately. So I got a little discouraged and was at least was tempted to give up the, the pursuit of experiencing more of the Spirit of God. And then it also says they prayed, they asked God for the filling of the Holy Spirit which I think is important to note. You'll see that in Acts chapter 1. I already read a couple of those things. Acts chapter 1. I mean, they're in the upper room seeking God. They were not in the upper room playing video games. (laughs) They were not in the upper room just watching Netflix. And listen, it's not that we're earning things from God, but there are certain settings where your heart is more ready to receive from God. Okay? And so some folks will say, well, I don't want to force the Holy Spirit. He's just going to come on me whenever. I'm like, well, okay, I understand. We don't want to force the Holy Spirit. But there are certain settings where if you're hungry for him, he loves to respond to hunger. And if he wants to come and encounter you playing video games, great. I just hadn't, hadn't seen that too many times yet. I hadn't seen it. Now, if you're praying fervently as you're playing video games, then all right, I see that. I can see that happening. Anyways. Then <laughs> also, it's good to note that the Holy Spirit came, and, and I'm going to use two words on purpose. Um, when the Holy Spirit did come, he came suddenly. Everybody say Suddenly and he came noticeably. Say noticeably. He came suddenly, and he came noticeably. By suddenly, what I mean is it wasn't forced or done by man. It wasn't conjured up in someone else's ability. All right? And I think maybe even a better way to describe this is he comes whenever he wants to. And sometimes he wants to come as soon as somebody lays their hands on you and says, come, Holy Spirit. Sometimes he comes at a different time. He is the one in charge. So you got to be careful, though, because some people think, again, suddenly, well, don't, talk, don't, don't pray for me. I'm not going to, like, force it. Don't, like, I'm about to give space for 10-ish minutes for uh, those of us that want to experience the Holy Spirit in a fresh way to come forward and receive prayer. Some think you can't do that because you're, it's not suddenly. Well, okay, it's fine. It's fine. But, like, we need to be careful because what we see throughout Scripture is, hey, people are receiving prayer. They're in this setting of worship, and they're seeking God. They're hungry, and people will lay hands and pray. And sometimes that's what the Holy Spirit decides to do is just come on people. And noticeably, that's, I think, an important word as well. Again, all throughout these examples um, I was reading this morning, there's something tangible that happens. There is some sort of experience that is noticeable. In, in a person's individual life, it's memorable, it's real, something happens, something changes. Now, it doesn't look the same every single time, and so it's going you know, to be important, especially as you're about to hear a couple of testimonies, don't compare your journey with somebody else's, but there is something noticeable that happens. Sometimes it's very subtle, but you just have a sense of peace in your heart. Sometimes it's very demonstrative. And you fall on the floor. I've had a couple of experiences like that where no one pushed me over, but I don't know what happened. I fell on the floor, and I was experiencing God's presence. It's amazing. I remember those times, and I'm so thankful for those times. But it's not everybody's story. But I will say this, is the Holy Spirit can come however he wants to for you. And he'll come not always in the way you want him to, but in the way that he knows you need. Okay. Some of you, <laughs> you're very introverted, very... Sometimes he'll come really peacefully because he's he just knows you. But he also knows you enough that he, if he needs to knock in the floor, he'll do that too. <laughs> you know, so like he doesn't come based on your enneagram type. Okay, the ones go over here. They're gonna get it right. You know, the eights are gonna go boom. You know, then the whatever I don't know. The fours are gonna be floating around. Anyways, all right. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Gosh, shouldn't have said that. But anyways. He comes how he wants to, and how he knows you need him to come. That's my point. Oh, I'm glad I can make you laugh today. All right, I'm going to invite up um, Leif and Maggie. All come on up here just for a second. Have you go first? And so both of them had. I just have heard their. Um, story of their kind of initial experience of baptism in the Holy Spirit. I wanted them to share this with you guys. So I think it's really helpful just to hear a couple examples. Of how does this happen? Um, and again, don't compare yourself with their stories, and it doesn't always look the same way, but it, it's encouraging to hear, like, okay, this is a way that it could happen. All right? Take it away, Leif.
1: I'm excited to talk about this, so bear with me. <laughs> um, so I'd say my journey started um, at the beginning of winter break. I was challenged to just pray and think about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so I did, um, and honestly began to be, like, very discouraged. I feel like the Lord maybe spoke a certain phrase, and I started to use it, and I was like, wow, this is awesome. This is what being baptized by the Holy Spirit is like. But it, God was faithful to just continue that work in my heart, and I honestly kind of maybe didn't think about it as much or just didn't process it or pray into it as well as I should have. But God's graceful. Um, and at the I think the third day of the Tijuana mission trip this past for the past couple of weeks, this spring, this <laughs> is crazy. Uh, I, there was like a very, there was a worship setting. Um, I led a prayer point and I had come down. And I f- there was a guy that came up to me and was like, hey, I feel like the Lord just gave you power. I want to pray into that power um, that you would just be able to like direct that power into pursuing him more. Um, so I was like, yeah, more God is awesome. Bring it. I love prayer. Uh, so he started to pray over me. Um, and then he was like, hey, have you ever been baptized by the Holy Spirit? I was like, I don't think so, because I'm pretty sure that's not what that would have felt like. Um, and so He's like, are you comfortable if I pray in tongues over you? And I was like, yeah, go for it. So I haven't really experienced that before. So he started to pray in tongues, uh, was very, like, physically passionate and just praying over me. Um, and if I'm being honest, I was kind of uncomfortable. It wasn't what I was used to. But like, as he continued to pray, it wasn't a thing of like, like confusion. It was a thing of freedom. And, like, I don't, I don't really know how to explain it because it, it, it wasn't me. It was the Holy Spirit. But as he continued to pray over me, I started to kind of just see light is the best way I can describe it. And then just, like, utterings started to come out of my mouth. And then he was like, did you just, what are you doing? Are you praying in the tongues? He was like, I think so. <laughs> um, and so he was like, all right, in faith, like, continue. Come on, just keep praying. Um, and I was like, okay, I won't. But the Holy Spirit will. And so I just continue to just speak in tongues um, by the grace of the Holy Spirit. And, like, that passage in 1 um, Corinthians 14, uh, verse 1, the very first thing it says, Pursue love. Earnestly desire spiritual gifts that you be able to prophesy. For when you speak in tongues, you don't speak to men, but you speak to God. And that just, like, it clicked. And I was like, shoot. I don't, not only do I not understand what I'm saying, you don't understand what I'm saying. Satan doesn't understand what I'm saying. God understands what I'm saying and I'm like oh this is like this is power to pursue God more not on my strength not on anyone else's strength but on God's it's his will and his will is perfect why would I not want that so that was my experience with the baptism of the Holy Spirit very freeing not confusing and a thing of like joy and peace and like God calling me out to pursue him more he's like you want more of me bet (laughs) come on let's do it so yeah that's my experience
2: I grew up in a more conservative church um, and going into college, um, I got saved, but going into college was more of the time where um, I was going to the Antioch in college and more of the time where I like started to learn more about Holy Spirit and learn more about really who God is that I can have a relationship with him. Um, and I had a couple of different settings where people were praying for the Holy Spirit to come, but I didn't. I didn't feel much, but I knew that I wanted more. Um, and so my sophomore year, I was on a um, trip overseas in the Middle East that summer. Um, and as a team, um, we were. One of the last nights, we were the the, the long term leaders were like, "Hey, do you guys want to receive more of the Holy Spirit? Do you guys want to speak in tongues?" Um, and me and this other guy were leading the trip, and we were like, "Sure." But at that point, again, it was like I didn't have a lot of experience with that and I was like, okay, we'll see what happens. Um, and so I remember the setting was kind of like similar to this. We like just talked about what the word of God said. That's like where we started with it. And so in my mind, I was like, okay, okay, this is like what the word of God said. Um, and then like some of the leaders shared their stories too, similar to this of how they received the gift of tongues or how they received the Holy Spirit. And I was like, okay, that is actually helpful because what does that actually mean? and <laughs> What does that actually look like? Um, and then there was this time where they're like, okay, if you want the Holy Spirit, go into the the center of the room um, and, uh, and we're going to pray for you um, and for me I like wanted that but as I was like going to the like center of the room for me I was like I don't know what that's going to look like and I don't have a lot of faith, and I don't know what I want, but I know that I want more of God, and I'm not gonna like miss that opportunity here. Um, and so I went to the middle, and this lady started praying over me, um, and she was just like asking God to come, and she was like, hey, would the Holy Spirit come? And um, she, again, asked if she could speak in tongues over me, and she just started speaking in tongues. Um, and I this was definitely one of those experiences, like when she was saying, like where my box was blown. <laughs> like, like I, I had the box, <laughs> I literally could have told you what my box was, and it was blown, and um, the Holy Spirit filled me, um, and I um, started speaking in tongues, and I, like, couldn't stop, and again, like, that was not common for me. That was not my background, and I didn't know what I was saying, but I was like, okay, God is here, Um, and then I also, like, felt the peace of God, Um, and for me, sometimes to, like, receive that in like a a greater way like it helps to lay on the ground because I can't hold like I don't want to hold myself up I don't want any part of me to get in the way of God moving and so I remember laying on the ground and God just like speaking to me and like showing and revealing himself to me Um, and then that, like, happened for a couple of um, minutes, I don't know how long, Um, and then I, like, remember, um, it was, like, the peace of God, but then the joy of the Lord came over me, and I started laughing, and again, this is, like, my box is blown, this is, like, not me trying to make anything up, like, I couldn't, I couldn't have told you this, is, like, I I didn't even ask for this, this isn't even, like, what I wanted, but, like, here I was, and, like, honestly, kind of, like, a little embarrassed, because I'm, like, I I don't know what other people are thinking of me, but, again, it was, like, like, I don't want to miss out on what God has, so I'm gonna, like, lean into this right now, and I'm gonna, like, receive all that God has for me, Um, and I don't know if I said this, but I was, like, a leader on this trip, like, (laughs) I, like, probably should have been praying for people, but, but, Again, God, like, doesn't, he doesn't care what our title is. He, like, cares about our heart, Um, and I wrote this down earlier to read, um, and part of it is actually word for word what Mitchell said earlier, so that just shows that God wants to speak it, but I wrote down God cares about our heart, and he will do radical things just to show himself to us sometimes, and I wasn't asking for it in that way, but I needed it, and it, like, solidified who God was in my heart that day, and I, like, am so thankful for that.
0: Amen. Thank you, Maggie. So great. Thank you, guys, for sharing. I mean, it's vulnerable for them to share. And so thank you for being willing. And, you know, because they they also know where we live, conservative south, you know. And so to them talk about how they speak in tongues is is vulnerable, but I'm thankful that they're willing to share that testimony and not ashamed of it. Um, Because if it's real, we want it. If it's from God, we want it. And... um, you know, just the Lord's taking me on that journey as well. I told you at the beginning, just a boldness to proclaim this, to invite you into it. And if you don't want it, that's fine. But a boldness to say, come on, let's get more of God. Let's get more of his spirit. And let's not be ashamed of anything, such as being brought to the floor or speaking in tongues. My four-year-old daughter at a baseball game a couple nights ago was talking through a fence to their, her brother, and then she started going like this, blah, 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 And then she turned around to us and almost shouted, Mommy and Daddy, I'm speaking in tongues. <laughs> And then said it a few more times, and uh, it was it was a good it was a good experience for both of us. And I know what I've been preparing all week that that didn't. And anyways, she was trying to hide, and I was like, "Yeah, what'd you say, Bella? Say it again." I'm just kidding. I didn't exactly do that, but I was like, "All right, I want to be. Af- I don't want to be afraid of this. All right, all right." Let me show you one more slide. Ben, go ahead. And come on up. Um, just I've mentioned this multiple times throughout this um, talk, but just here's a couple things to note of you know, leading up to experiences or baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's often some similar things that are present. It's good to remember God is not a genie that we can just make him do whatever we want to do and we're never earning anything. OK, but here's a couple things that just seem to be consistent in people's journey and biblically that we see. Um, when he comes in a powerful way. So there's uh, a few things up there. Hunger, openness, humility, anticipation, worship, prayer, being in God's presence, laying on of hands, and even a willingness to wait and to keep on asking. And one of the things that I feel like the Lord was speaking to me about this morning was um, as we wait for him, and all we're going to do is going to, I'm going to invite you guys that are hungry for, for this to come forward and just simply start worshiping, okay, don't look at the worship team, don't look at me, don't look at anybody else, because one thing i's, I'm clear on is it's Jesus who baptizes in the Holy Spirit, it's not me, it's not somebody else, now, there's going to be some people probably praying for you, but just, if you want more of God, you look up, you say, Lord, I want you, fill me, Lord, I want a, a touch from you, and I feel like one of the things he wants to do is maybe even kind of strip off some, some idols, about what, what anybody else might think about us, an idol of self-image. Because when, you, when your physical body is encountered by the power of the living God who created everything, sometimes <laughs> it just looks, looks different. And it looks what, how he wants it to look. They're not making anything happen, but just giving him space to come. So I don't know what he's going to do, and I don't know if anybody's going to feel anything, but I have hope that uh, at least one person, you're going to give your life to the Lord. And I also have been praying this week, and I'm hoping that there's at least three people in this room, that your your heart is like, Yes. I want that. I don't know if I've ever experienced that before, but I feel like I'm on the edge of my seat, and I want to come forward and receive prayer. I remember a couple of these teachings in my early time of following Jesus where I was feeling like I was on the edge of my seat. My heart was burning inside of me, and I was like, I don't know what this guy's talking about, but I want the power of God in my life, and I think I need it. And so I ran forward and, and received prayer. And so if that's you this morning, just, man, let your hunger just overwhelm you and just come before the presence of the Lord. But let me close with one last story. It's about a friend of mine named Sam. Um, And this guy was in the college ministry I was leading years ago, and he came forward to receive prayer in a setting like this. And this was probably the only time I've seen this happen. Well, there's been a couple times, but this one was the most memorable, where he was just worshiping. I put my hand on him, and then all of a sudden he just erupts in utterances or in tongues or another language. And I talked to him about this, you know, for the coming weeks afterwards, and he said, "Yes, the Holy Spirit just came on me. It was awesome. But one thing I want you to know that this guy, he continues to stay faithful, to follow Jesus himself. He started discipling other college guys. He followed the Lord's lead to go to another city um, in the uh, north northeast, uh, making disciples there, loving Jesus. And then a couple years ago, the Lord put on, him, uh, and put on his heart a nation that has 99.9% uh, Muslims. And he started thinking and talking to God about it. And he's on the journey of being sent there long term to go make disciples there. He's there. Jeremy knows him. So he's been on this journey of continuing to follow the Lord's leading and making disciples everywhere go. And one thing you need to remember is that the Holy Spirit comes on people. There's not a story in Scripture. There's not a story I've heard uh, here and now where the Holy Spirit doesn't come on somebody in a powerful way that then leads to other people experiencing God. So what we're talking about today is not just let's have fun experiences that we can look back on and say, Oh, remember that thing that I did on the floor? <laughs> it's, it's like, wow, God's here. But how is he going to come upon you in power to be a witness to those around you? There are people in your life that need the power and presence of the spirit of God in your workplace, in your family, on the streets, in Northwestern, wherever you're going. Amen. So here's how we'll close up. If you um, we have a couple categories here, if you're listening to this, you're still a little bit confused, you have a lot of questions, here's what I would encourage you to do during these next 10-15 kind of minutes as we close up. Just stay in your chair, look at some of these verses I read over, and, and I would encourage you to wrestle with God. Wrestle with God. Talk to Him about it, but read these scriptures, if that's you. Some of you, the other end of the spectrum, again, like I said, you, you're just about to fall out of your chair. So if that's you, just run for it as I start praying and just come on here to the front so we know that you're really ready. Uh, you just get on your knees and you start worshiping praying, and In a few minutes, some people will come and pray over you. But then there might be kind of maybe a middle area and uh, where there's some of you that you're not quite sure if you've ever experienced the initial baptism of the Holy Spirit. You don't have a memorable moment where His power came on you in a noticeable way and you want to experience that for the first time, if that's you, then I want to encourage you also to kind of come up here to, to, towards the front and just start worshiping. But then there's others of you that you maybe have had some sort of memorable experiences with the Holy Spirit before, but you just know you need a fresh touch from Him. Then I want to encourage you to go kind of over to the side area and just start worshiping there as well. And some, some leaders maybe in just a little bit will come and pray over you. So hopefully that was um, clear enough. But let's stand to our feet. So I'm just going to pray, and again, if any of those categories, you know, resonate with you and you just want a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit, then I want to encourage you to come forward, and I'm excited for this, you know, this opportunity for us to like, all right, I want God, and now I was hoping that we want God more than we care about what anyone might think about us. So let me just pray. As I start praying, if any of those categories made sense to you and you just want to be touched and baptized with the Holy Spirit for the first time, come up here in this area. If you want a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit, then just kind of go over here to the side areas. And we're going to um, wait some, wait a few minutes. All you're doing is just start, starting to worship. We're going to wait a few minutes, and then some of our leaders will come and we'll pray over you. All right? So, Lord Jesus, here we are. You start coming if you're hungry for this. Lord Jesus, here we are in your presence, God. And Lord, we just wait for you. We can't make anything happen. We want you to fall on us. Holy Spirit, I pray that right now in these few moments that you would stir hunger and anticipation in our hearts. And Lord, you would fall on us by the Holy Spirit for your glory, for our good, and for the sake of others that will be reached because your power is at work in us. Stir hunger in this room, come Holy Spirit. In Jesus name.